This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. We're sponsored by Neomodern.com, bringing concierge photo printing and framing to everyone with a smartphone. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne. Hey, Ruben. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I like spending Saturday mornings with you guys. I know. This was really fun. We actually reversed our order. We went to breakfast before recording the show. Besides, we're a little livelier, I think, having some <laughs> nourishment. Although dangling like the prospect of food at the other end of this, it's not It's not a bad Just way makes, to go. Just makes it be like, you know what? We really need to get some uh, Don Pintos. Yeah, let's stop talking and go Don Pintos? Pintos. Don Pistos. Pistos. That's where if you if you're looking for me on a on a weekend morning, yeah, just there's go a there. Reasonably good chance I'm oh, down there. It was fantastic. It was good. And what did you have? I had the um, chilaquiles. Dang, those look they look really good. And I, I think I, you need to change your order. Yeah, I don't usually stray from the huevos rancheros with uh, mm. chorizo, but that looked so good with pork, pulled pork. Yeah, no, it, breakfast was delicious this morning. Uh, chilaquiles, highly recommend. Um, uh, and I asked you a question, and then you like wouldn't. Well, uh, we we were like going in circles, and you're like, I'll just we'll wait for the show. We'll talk okay, about it. Okay, we'll talk about it. So we'll talk about it again. So ask me again. Should I ask you the question? Ask me again. Yeah, okay, yeah. so <laughs> um, at Neo Modern, yeah, when you look at the the um, the photographs that are hanging on the wall, there's like the little museum script talks about like the name the artist and then it has the the artist the photographer um the photographer's age that they took the photo yes and i wanted to know i was asking you why do you do that what is that and you said a lot of people ask you about it oh yeah yeah okay but we didn't get there well i mean the short answer is that i think it's really cool to see how old the photographer was when they took the picture right i mean absolutely in a general sense and also when you're used to looking at ansel adams's pictures Mm -hmm. To, to to fans of photography, they're just like, that's Moonrise Hernandez, that's Monolith Half Dome. Right. But what you don't always think about is that was Ansel Adams when he was 20. Right. And like starting out and was still playing the piano a lot and yeah. living with his parents or whatever the story is. Mm-hmm. And then here he is at 50, completely different guy. You know, yeah. he's had a whole lot of different experiences. And I feel like that context is important. And in my mind, it's like I just see him at 50. You know, I, right, know, I don't think of him yeah. as having this like backstory and taking photographs for years, which is obviously what he was doing. But it's just like in my mind, they're all when he was 50 years old and he took all of them and that's it. So so I'm going to digress and actually give you the real story for this. Like okay. why, I'm, why I did that. And okay. I'm going to hold off the sort of the punchline for a moment. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the reason I actually do it is this is like the oldest, I think the longest I've been working on an idea of anything in my life. Okay. Like this is about 35 years I've mm-hmm. been trying to develop this. So here's the story. Um, back in college, I had uh, written a couple books and when I was an undergrad. Uh, one was on video games, one was on computers and stuff like that. And uh, on the strength of that, I had sort of a, a, a introduction to publishing companies. Mm-hmm. And they asked if I had any ideas and I pitched them this thing. Okay. Okay. Which I will subsequently tell you. <laughs> but I pitched them and they, they actually loved it. And okay. they wrote back with a series of questions like, how are you going to do it? Yeah. And very, very specific. And I freaked out. I couldn't, I couldn't actually deliver this in 1985, okay. 86, probably when I was um, debating it with. And the publishing company was Andrews and McNeil. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd made friends with, uh, with the editor there and her assistant. Mm-hmm. And the assistant was sending me 
all kinds of books that Andrews and McMeal did in that era, which at the time was largely all of the Far Side books. Remember the Far Side? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Andrews McMeal, it was Andrews McMeal and Parker, but they became, they like mm-hmm. let Parker go. And okay. so anyway, they have all these books and I was very excited to do, I wanted to do this book and I wanted to do it with them. Okay. But I couldn't execute it. Mm-hmm. And um, so you didn't answer their questions. So I didn't answer the questions. I just kind of let it go. <laughs> I was busy. I was working at Lucasfilm, and then I was working in film and doing a whatever. So my right. career took off in a sense, and I stopped being able to focus on this thing. But a few things happened, and by the end of the eighties, um, so technologies were changing very quickly, and uh, a technology called HyperCard mm-hmm. was invented um, on on the Mac. And, and what was HyperCard? It's sort of a home database kind of thing. Okay. And I thought, maybe HyperCard is how I need to execute this book. Maybe it's a HyperCard stack. It's some sort of database project. Okay. And I started, and I pitched it again after years of them not hearing from me. I wrote back and said, mm-hmm. I think this is a technology thing. And they didn't understand what HyperCard was, and it went away again. Okay. And then another uh, y- you know, year or so later, uh, CD-ROMs were coming out. Remember CD-ROMs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes. <laughs> are you old enough to know what that is? I'm old enough to know so what that I, is. So yes. I re- I thought it, the book really needs to be sort of nonlinear in its structure, so you can pop around. I didn't want it to be read like a book. So like choose your own adventure. Maybe okay. not. No, I'll come back to it. And, <laughs> I'm gonna <and> keep guessing. <laughs> you're gonna keep guessing. So I, I I thought maybe a CD-ROM, but that wasn't. I couldn't really execute that. And then new technology CDI was coming out, where they were more interactive versions of CD-ROMs. And I thought that was the perfect thing. And and are they still asking these questions? Like, how are you going to do it? And yeah, they're asking a lot how, of There's but... sort of execution of, of the content and the technology side of it. And okay. I didn't have good answers for the, either of them. And it seemed like a lot of work that I wasn't going to pull off. So, so now, now even more years go by and the internet is, inv- the web is invented okay. and HTML is becoming popular. And I thought, that's the secret. I don't want to make this on a CD-ROM or a CDI. I'm going to make a website. And I got some domain names of the name. Okay. And I thought so I could... it can be added to, continually added to. Yeah, so it's, not it's a dynamic. finite set of whatever. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So uh, the web was created, but as I got into it, an HTML would allow me to create these hyperlinks, which seemed like this exactly what I was looking for. Uh-huh. And then uh, I couldn't. I still couldn't execute it. I was busy with other things. So the so now it's even further into the web development and wikis kind of became emergent. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was what I was waiting for, a wiki. So I don't have to be the author of this thing. I can let everybody do it. <laughs> and so th- so the wiki idea became the next. So I, this has been moving now for decades at this point. Okay. Um, and then I couldn't, I still couldn't pull it off as a wiki. I needed sort of help. I still needed help in so execution. Like clicking through a photographer's life? Are you? Okay. So here's the thing. <laughs> I'm, so con- the thing. I'm like, I really want to know, but okay. I kind of don't want to know. I kind of want to like. I've never really talked about it publicly, but okay. I, I feel like I'm, I'm old enough and I'm clearly not executing this on my own. <laughs> I just need to let it go and it has its own life. And I, if it's really a good idea, someone can execute it and Godspeed. Okay. And if it's not, it should die and let me let me rest <laughs> in peace. <laughs> you sleep. I thought for sure someone at some point in time would have executed this exact thing. Okay. And it just hasn't quite manifested. Mm-hmm. So, And I've pulled out my original book proposal from 1985 
it's still really solid. Yeah. I gotta say. I okay. mean, are you sure you're ready to share this uh, now? I mean, there might be the next technology. I know. Next it's year. always a, I think quantum computers will solve my problem. <laughs> no. Okay. Hold out for it. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say. Okay. So, so what? The, what is it? Okay. Why do you have the the ages of the okay, photographers? It's called. It was at the time. It was called Lifetime. Okay. And the the idea was pretty simple. And I would take biographies of famous people, mm-hmm. and I would instead of um saying Mozart was born in 1770-whatever, and you have all the, you know, and he married at, in, in 1812. It, right. it, like, that's the way people structure biographies. I reorient all of them so they're scaled by uh, age, starting mm-hmm. at zero. So as you go into it, um, imagine a book that chapter 20 is people at 20, mm-hmm. and chapter 40 is people at 40, and each section is a like a, a little anecdote mm-hmm. of of some famous person at that age. Mm-hmm. And it's not always a high point, right? Yeah. So sometimes at 20, you have some people who are like, you know, Einstein, who has is a patent clerk wherever he is right. and, and his life is the, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Michael Jackson who has, you know, peaked younger than that. And now his life right. is sort of, he's, he doesn't know if he's ever going to make it again after the Jackson 5 mm-hmm. and he hasn't kind of come back again. So at every age, what I found was that some people who are famous are on their way up, some mm-hmm. are on their way down, yeah. some have, you know, there's everything. Right. Some have gotten married that year. Yeah. And I found that it was really empowering to look at both my own age and other ages mm-hmm. with that sense of that at every age. I mean, at first, it sort of seems like well, how depressing at age 12. You see all these people who've done these great things. Right. They've written four concertos. Yeah. But if you're looking at Mozart, but you also could be looking at Ansel Adams, someone mm-hmm. you also respect. And at 12, he was, you know, a normal kid. He, he was being groomed to be a concert pianist. Mm-hmm. Um, his, you know, his parents had... He had fallen during the earthquake of 1906 in San Francisco and had broken his nose famously. You mm-hmm. can see his broken. So at every age, there's sort of ups and downs. Yeah. And I thought it would be really cool. There's so many things you could do. Certainly with hyperlinks, you can follow one person through time. And right. you don't get somebody at every age. Yeah. You know, if it's Marilyn Monroe, you might have. And and they're always the way I'd imagined the stories that are written are short. They're like a little paragraph. Mm-hmm. And that it was always trying to reveal who it was at the end. So you got this story of someone having this terrible thing or this oh, great thing, and then it revealed yeah. that was Marilyn Monroe, that was Ansel Adams, that was Pablo Picasso. Now I understand why you wouldn't tell me what the idea was. I mean, it's kind of a similar setup to us <laughs> talking about this and you not revealing the idea. What I like about this is it's almost like you can take, um, you can yeah follow it linearly and right. you're following the person growing right. up. But I also love this like cross section of going through. It's a funny slice. Yeah. It's, it's like, it makes me think of almost like ribbons, like rolling, like rolls of ribbons rolling out across the floor. And so there's, uh, you know, kind of peaks and valleys of these ribbons going across in space and you could just take a cross cut yeah. of like, and you get to look at the end of like, where, where is this? Well, where we all are they know, I mean, part of the definition was that everybody in it is famous enough that you've heard of them. Mm-hmm. For the most part, not yeah. everyone's heard of everybody, but I mean, and I kind of wanted people who were in the arts at some level. So it wasn't just, or, you know, that they, I liked the idea that if you're looking at Picasso, you're looking at the art he did at 12 and at 24 and at 65 mm-hmm. or whatever. And um, then you have a page, you know, when you go to age 55, you see a lot of art and yeah. it's a bunch of people at that age group. Yeah. And even if they lived in different times, we we're we're used to looking at histories of people's lives 
against the backdrop of where it was contextually happening in history. Yeah. You know, it was during the French Revolution. And that is a, an important way to examine biographies. But you get a different thing if you look at it by human age. Oh, yeah. And I thought that there would be certain milestones, like um, when people got married, when they got divorced, when their mm -hmm. parents died. Right. These universal things that happen in everybody's lives yeah. at some point. And then what did Einstein do after his parents died? Or mm -hmm. what did um, did Marilyn Monroe do after her first divorce? Mm -hmm. um, where you feel like you're on the downslide and maybe right. things won't recover, and yet they do. And I almost imagined that you had these sort of biorhythmic waves yeah. of fame and money and other things mm -hmm. that across someone's life go up and down. Right. You know, the most, you know, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright at 60 was just starting to hit his stride. And right. up to that point, he had had a certain kind of life. Yeah. So, and then I thought, what if it was dynamic? So you put yourself into this thing for, for your own edification. So you've got yeah. the backdrop of history of all these people at all these ages. Mm -hmm. You enter your own age. You could not only look at everybody at, for me, 55, mm -hmm. you want to see what, what's going on. But but your own life has a kind of arc of yeah. your fame and money and whatever. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's no fame. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's like a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. But you realize, wow, that matches Mary Curie. Yeah. You know, she also had a life like this. And at that age, that's when she did this thing. Yeah. Right. And I thought that it would be instructive about our lives if we could look at all the famous people in the world that we look up to scaled in a way that makes it approachable. Yeah. I, I definitely see this as almost like something in motion, too. It's almost like I'd want to be able to click through and sort of see this, uh, the, these like graphic, almost like timelines, yeah. but also what pops up, what animates up in, you know, in in some in their 40s and 50s. A lot of art is made. A lot right. of paintings are made or cool. maybe a lot more music is made in, in their, you know, 30s or, you know, and you almost get to see these things sort of appearing as you're, as you're, it's like a, it's like a scrub, like a big scrub sure. through time. Yeah. I love that. There's so many, there's so many things that, I mean, obviously I've been thinking about this for 35 odd years right? <laughs> it's like I can't get it out of my head but there's there's and I honestly I haven't even thought of it in five or six years now so it's kind yeah. of coming back to me as I'm talking about it but um, you might want to look at just artists mm -hmm. through this you might want to look at just people who lost their parents yeah you might want to look at based on certain key events so I don't care about people at 55 but I want to look at people whose kids were now empty nesting what did, yeah maybe that was a thing that caused something to happen yeah. Um, maybe I just want to look at the painters and look at their art. Yeah. And and look at or pick one person and look at them through all of time. Or people that you know that committed suicide. Or it's That's like right. I think it's interesting these life moments that are immediately relatable. That then you get to see the other extraordinary things that they accomplished or did. And it's, in a way, it is uh, optimistic to think you know what everyone does have downs. And you everyone. know it's not just it's not just what I'm going through right now, it's also someone else is going through a death of a loved one or a sickness or a... I think, I mean, whatever. there is there is the fear and the, the most common criticism when I tell people about this is that it's just going to make me feel lousy the, mm. how little I've accomplished in my life. And, uh, you know, I suppose that's a that's a, possible, a possibility. Mm -hmm. But I've always found it sort of empowering to see what because we the news only reports really high things or really low things. And you don't always recognize that years of struggle to get something accomplished or the mm -hmm. hard work that went into it. So to tune in to, you know, Ansel Adams or Marilyn Monroe or Michael Jackson 
in a period where they'd gone years with something happening. And we know from history that they're just a year ahead of when something else happened that was right. great. They didn't know it. Yeah. And and I thought as technology gets better, when I was at Netflix and mm -hmm. we were doing a lot of recommendation systems, I wondered if these curves would be somewhat predictive, whether you could look at the curve of your life and find people who had a similar curve. Hmm. Like through history, like, mm -hmm. look, Voltaire was just like you yeah. because his parents died here and he did that. And, right. and then his career took off then or he was famous late in his life or mm -hmm. he was famous early in his life. And this. So I thought that it would be a really powerful tool. So to go back on the story, when I first pitched it to Andrews McMeal, they asked how I was going to get all the biographies. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, find people who write bio who like biography, who've read a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be like a, a novel. Mm -hmm. I want little cool little essays. Yeah. So then they asked, well, how do you keep each essay being quality and interestingly told? Yeah. Uh, okay. So those are problems. Again, the wiki seemed to solve a bunch of those things. Anyone could contribute, and then things would get voted up and down. So you're not you know, besieged with crappy stories. Well, and now AI, I mean, um, I think his name is Ross Goodwin. He's like the uh, resident artist at Google. Um, mm -hmm. And for, I think, robotics and artificial intelligence, I maybe will fix his title in the show notes because okay. I'm not sure if that's actually <laughs> okay. it. Um, but he is, he's written a lot of uh, kind of AI software that will actually write short stories and write novels and write, actually, the reason that I had started reading about him is he, has developed a camera. He's fascinating. Um, he's we should have him on the show. Who is this guy? Um, he's yeah. developed a camera that actually takes uh, writes a poem based on the picture it takes. Dang! It's so cool. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's almost like having that software that could just kind of go into these biographies, read the biographies, and write those mis. The, the premise is that it needs to be sort of a mystery as you read through it. Nice. Then the person is revealed at the end, um, and it could absolutely capture that. Wow. Well, we should. I think maybe maybe so this maybe is too soon. Maybe, maybe this is just a year out. That I haven't. I've given up just a moment. <laughs> they say that success is largely a matter of hanging on after others have let go. Yeah. And is it that moment I'm letting go? And I, if I just did it one more year, I'd <laughs> be like Grandma this. Moses. <laughs> Like my greatest work was created when I was 60 kind of thing. There you go. I like that. I hope that's not the case. Uh, I think I, I'd i gone out to uh, A&E, mm -hmm. uh, the network A&E, because they own both the History Channel and the Biography Channel. Oh, yeah. That'd be perfect. And I thought, they have a ton of content. Maybe right. this involves video. Maybe yeah. we just take a, a snippet from their biography. And when you get to age 37, you get one of those little video clips or yeah. something. like. It's multimedia. It's nonlinear. Yeah. It's got... I think A&E, just having, having access to their archives, you could do something amazing. Yeah, these guys couldn't figure out... I mean, the question is, like, how do you make money doing this? And I didn't have a good answer. And I thought, it just needs a benefactor. It needs to be like Wikipedia, where people contribute biographies of everybody in history into it. It organizes them by age. It creates this thing. You create your own page in some way. Mm -hmm. So you have your a private page. Mm -hmm. No one else sees your page. But... That's your your profile, and it matches and does stuff with the history of everybody, hmm. and pulls up people who you should learn about. You yeah. should learn about, you know, um, you know, General Dwight D. Eisenhower. Mm -hmm. He was just like you. And you're like, really? Okay, I'll 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 go learn more about him because maybe there's something instructive there. So that was that was the vision, and like I said, I've been trying to execute this thing since I was you know twenty something, and so when Neo Modern was created and we put the pictures on the wall, it was my own small way of recognizing the power of that kind of that tiny piece of information. As you're looking at a regular art gallery, realizing that it's organized at some level by age yeah. of the artists, and 
I, I look when I look at Harry Callahan, a photographer mm-hmm. I like very much, and or Cortege, mm-hmm. and you look at their work when they're 24, some of their famous things, that's what made them famous. Yeah. And then you see a different picture that you also like by this guy, and you realize he was 60 here. Wow. Like, is it different? Did he Has he grown? Do I like his pictures when he was older more? Because that's not an, an obvious thing. If you There's two photographs by Ansel Adams. You don't naturally, even if you know it was done in 1946, you're not doing the math to figure exactly. out how old that guy was. Yeah. So anyway, I, think I it's just... it's really interesting. Yeah. So that's what's going on at Neo Modern, and I, I list the ages there. It's a little off-putting because when, custom, when we show customer works, I ask them how old they are. Yeah. And people are like, why do you want to know how old I am? And <laughs> I show them the signage, and they sort of think about it, and... You know what you could ask them? You could ask them, how old were you when you took this photo? Well, that's nicer, but at Neo Modern, they usually took it last week. Well, I mean, okay. you could still say, not, I mean, I think yes, you could still say, how old were you when you took this photo? Because then it is about the work. It's not about, if someone asked me, it'd be like, why? Like, what? Yeah, no, that <laughs> you know? would be weird. I think I'd probably ask in a decent way. Anyway. It makes me think of something, um, maybe this is a bit of a tangent, but. As opposed to this entire story? This No, no, no. I mean, it, it, it almost takes it to thinking, almost it takes it to a dark place of like, I wonder I wonder if creatives really need the pain of pain in their life to sort of be creative. But as you were saying, you know, they went through a, a death or a divorce and then they created some of their best work out coming out of that. It um, it almost makes me wonder, too, in a really like sinister black mirror sort of way. But what if someone got a hold of this data, if they were able to say, you know what, this is there's a predictive curve when you go through this. And then they created a scenario where they were putting someone through that emotionally, whether that was real or imagined, but then seeing what they would come out with, come up with. Well, you have a creepy side, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you should go write black mirrors. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> yes. Anyway, that's my that's my story, and uh, we can return to our regularly scheduled programming. Okay, I suppose. But well, thank you for in, in engaging on this topic. No, I'm now I'm engaged. Now I want. I'm going to pull out my file. I'll show you how the we file. can do this. You got to see this thing. I mean, it's a thick file. I've been keeping. I kept the same file since the '80s. I keep how, sticking. How did you even? Oh, like a physical file, like it's a, a real life file. file. Yeah, a okay. real life file. And I've got. I mean, maybe I also have computer versions of stuff. But I kept printing it out. And for a while, anytime anyone wrote any article that said that did sort of an age comparison of people a little yeah. bit, I would get someone would send it to me. Uh, Fascinating. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it was called originally it was called Lifetime, and then and the network came out, and then they came out. I mean, that's the problem with doing this for too long. You can't really. Anyway, thank you for engaging and if anyone listening to this wants to take this and run just Godspeed Godspeed we'll help you I'll give you some yeah, creepy let, ideas let us know how we can help yeah. <laughs> uh, I just want to see it honestly like all great projects I, I don't need to own it I just want it to exist yeah so that's how I feel about creativity in general what's that just like it's just it's about kind of coming together collaborating putting it out there and, and making it happen if someone can help facilitate it if you can work together all or the, the merrier yeah 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 you'll, you'll always have more ideas Ruben Thank you. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's my last good one, but I've got some other <laughs> lesser ones I'll work on as time goes on. All right. We're going to wrap it up while we're digesting our breakfast. Um, our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos, and post comments. Please leave reviews and ratings on iTunes. You guys have been doing pretty well on that, by the way. So keep, keep it up. And don't forget to subscribe. And we get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. 
So if you know someone who might get something from us, uh, Black Mirror references, <laughs> creepy ideas, great, brilliant lifetime ideas, let them know yeah. and uh, send them a link. Thanks to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music and all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to think about. Until next time.